NFL Nuts. Sunday with Ryan Hannibal, Kirk Minahan, Rich Keefe, and Christian Fourier. The ultimate football podcast. Let's get started with NFL Nuts. Sunday. Now here's Ryan Hannibal. Special guest this week on the podcast with the Patriots and Titans meeting this Saturday night divisional round game, Jay Feely, who will actually be on the call with CBS. Jay, thanks so much for joining me. Yeah, my pleasure. Looking forward to it. Should be nice, beautiful weather, rainy, 40, perfect weather. Definitely. Def- <laughs> definite football weather. What are, your, what are your initial thoughts on the game? Do the Titans have any chance at all? Well, I think you always have a chance, especially when you get into the playoffs. If you can create turnovers and limit a team, uh, offensively and trying to make plays on special teams, and, and that's going to be their mantra, you know, is to play solid defense, how to create turnovers, <clears throat> which is something that obviously the Patriots historically have been so good at, not turning the ball over, not allowing mistakes to beat themselves. Uh, you know, but if you're Tennessee, that's what you have to do, and if you're Dick LeBeau, you got to find a way to get pressure on Tom Brady and disrupt him, not allow him to be comfortable in the pocket, because anytime he's comfortable, he, he tears you apart. And, and Dick LeBeau has, has had trouble doing that uh, throughout the course of his career. Yeah, do you think Dick sort of has to change his mindset, I guess, going against the Patriots just because of the past history with, with Brady? I think anytime you have tried something and it hasn't worked time and time again, you have to look at something different. You also can't go away from the core concepts of who you are, what you've taught your guys. But when you go up against Tom Brady, uh, you can't allow him to sit in the, in the pocket you can't allow him to make pre-snap reads and know exactly where to go with the ball. If he knows where to go with the ball, because he's so smart, and he'll tell you he's seen everything in his career. So there's nothing you can do to trick him. You know, so if he knows where to go with the ball before the snap and he's comfortable in the pocket and he can deliver the ball and step in his throat, well, then you're fighting an uphill battle, and you're going to have a hard time ever winning that game. Mm-hmm. You know, so to me, you know, with Tom Brady, you've got to keep him from knowing what you're doing pre-snap. You have to keep him uncomfortable in the pocket. You've got to get pressure up the middle so he can't step into his throws. Force him outside of the pocket and outside of his comfort zone. What do you see from the Titans' defense of potentially stopping Rob Gronkowski? How would you, if, if you were, you know, if you were Dick LeBeau, how do you go about stopping him? I, I would, I would focus everything I'm doing <clears throat> on taking away Rob Gronkowski. You know, if you have to double team him, you have to almost vice him, which is something that the Jets used to do with Wes Welker. You know, all the way back when when Wes was playing and and he was so good. You know, they put two guys that have inside-outside leverage and not allow West to beat you and say, okay, somebody else beat us. And, and that's what I would do with Rob. I'd, you know, I'd have safety help over the top. I'd have somebody underneath deny an underneath pass, you know, and try to bracket him so that he can't beat you. You know, and tell those others, other receivers and the other players on the team, okay, if you beat us, that's fine. We can live with that. But we're going to take away your best weapon in Rob Gronkowski, which is, <laughs> which is much easier said than done. Does it almost baffle you, though, sometimes? Like, I go back to that, the end of the Steelers game where it almost seemed like that the, the Steelers just didn't do anything to stop Roger Ronkowski. I mean, I know you you got to give credit to, to Brady and Kronk for that drive, but it was almost like the Steelers just, like, didn't know what they were doing and, and were just, you know, leaving that middle of the field wide open for Gronkowski. I guess, why, why do teams just seem to, to not, you know, know how to cover this guy? Well, I think he's just such a matchup nightmare because he has such great ball skills up in the air. He's so big. So you can't get around him, and he makes it so tough, and he can run, he can run well. And so, but I, I think you know you got to take a little bit of Bill Bill Belichick's own mantra, and, and you take away what they do best. And, and offensively, you say, okay, we're going to make Brady uncomfortable, we're going to take away Gronkowski, and we can live with the rest. And, and that's kind of be your that's got to be your mantra going into that game. And, and like I said, you know that that's easier said than done. It's not easy to take away Gronk, no matter what you do. Teams continually try to do it. 
you know, and he's one of the best of all time. When he's healthy, you know, it's a, it's a matchup nightmare. Mm-hmm. On the other side of the ball, the, the Titans' offense. It seems like you know they're they're obviously with Marcus Mariota's down year. They're relying heavy on on the running game, and Derrick Henry obviously had a good game against the Chiefs. And I guess when you look at the Patriots' defense, maybe their weakness is stopping the run. I think they were second to last in the league in yards per attempt when stopping the run. Do you think that's the best way the Titans approach the game? Is just sort of stay on the field as long as they can and and try to you know grind out a, a you know twenty one seventeen win. Yeah, you hit it on the head, and maybe even not that high point-wise for them. You know, try to keep it as low-scoring game as possible. They'd love to see a game like the Jacksonville-Buffalo game last week. You know, if you can keep it at one score and give yourself a chance to win at the end of the game, that's what you're looking for. And I felt like the fact that DeMarco Murray was injured and Derrick Henry was going to take the bulk of the carries, that was a big advantage for, for Tennessee. I mean, I know, I, I, talk, I know a lot of people talked about, well, you know, they're not going to have DeMarco Murray, but – Derrick Henry is such an amazing back. You, you see him in person, and I, I did one of their games late in the year. We did a production meeting, and you meet him, and he looks like a, a big middle linebacker. You know, I mean, it's amazing that he can move as well as he does. He had one of the top times of the year, top speed uh, for any running back in the NFL on one of his long runs. It's amazing that he can be that big and that fast. And so if he gets the bulk of the carries, I, I think he should be there every down back. I think he's they're going to transition to that probably next year. but but he's so good when he has the ball in his hands because he's so powerful and so fast, and he can take it the distance and yet run through tackles as well. So, yeah, that's obviously going to be their game plan. You got to you got to move Marcus Mariota around. You got to get him outside the pocket. Use play action and take shots down the field. Try to find Delaney Walker when you have a matchup that you like, uh, where he's on, on safety and. And and take your shots when you get them, but don't turn the ball over. That has to be the number one factor for them. Grind it out. Don't turn the ball over. Don't beat ourselves. And and they have excellent special teams. Both these teams are, are top ten in the league in special teams. And you know your special teams have to have to win that phase for you if you're Tennessee. Mm. Moving on, I know that you're really close with Tom Brady going back to your Michigan days. For people that that don't know, what's your what's your backstory? How many years were you overlapping with Mitch with with Brady at Michigan, and what's your relationship like now? Well, we were there for four years together, and uh, he was in my way. He's a great guy, a guy that that I think tremendously highly of. Um, you know, and I think just the more he's had success, and the more that he's become this iconic superstar, the, the more he's real. And that's what always stands out to me. And I, and I know that he's kind of guarded publicly at times, but when you get to know him on a personal level, he's just such a good guy that cares about people and is uh, not afraid to show you that he cares, not afraid to, to say it. Um, you know, and so that that's who I always know. I, I know the person, not the player. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm sure you read that ESPN story. And, and to me, you know, being being up here, it's almost like that he's painted as the bad guy in this story when in reality all the guy's done is just win around here and do everything that he's been asked to do and just constantly prove and prove everyone wrong left and right. But yet somehow it always comes out that he's, you know, it turns in, into the bad guy. Well, well, I guess what was your take after reading the piece? Yeah, that's kind of how I felt. I felt it was very much slanted to, to – point him and to picture him as the bad guy and you know I think there's probably some things that go back uh, a long way with, with that author and why he slanted it that way and uh, I didn't I didn't particularly like it I didn't think it was particularly revealing I mean it's no secret that they have uh, a very professional relationship between Tom Brady and Bill Belichick and you know that's what it is and uh, I will tell you he's always deferred to the team and he's always deferred to Bill Belichick in every setting 
and put the team always first. You know, and whether that's taking a contract that's substandard for what he could get, uh, being the best player of all time, and he could leverage that if he wanted to, and he never has for the best interest of the team. And whether that's allowing Bill to be really hard on him in meetings, which he's always done, and that's been fine because that sets the tone for everybody else on the team. You know, Bill's willing to challenge Tom and to get after Tom. What does that mean for everybody else? They've always had that relationship. So to kind of try to pervert that in any way is really disingenuous to me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it seems like every time something like this this comes up, Brady and the Patriots, for that matter, use it almost as as motivation. Do you see that sort of coming coming, coming again this year and, and as they move forward in their playoff run? Well, we'll find out. But, uh, you know, if you know Tom Brady, you know, he's always looking for something uh, to kind of motivate himself. You know, he held on to where he was drafted for so long. And last year with all the deflate gate and, and everything that happened uh, with that suspension and how fulfilling it was to co-win a championship. And so uh, I, I think if you're the rest of the NFL, you'd like everybody else to stop doing that. Like, just talk about how great they are. Talk about how They don't have anything to prove. Talk about how they're the best of all time. Don't give them any motivation, any reason to to go back and to go back to the grind and and to go out and try and prove yourself again because we've seen what happens when they do that. Mm -hmm. What have you noticed about him, I guess, in the knowing him for for so long, how how different he is now compared to, to what he was like at Michigan? Is there anything that, that stands out? Like, is he more – like, what was he like at Michigan when it came to, like, his fitness and stuff like that? And now you look at him now where, where he's so ingrained into the TB12 method. How, how, how has that changed from your perspective? Well, I remember eating pizzas at 2 in the morning or, you know <laughs> – put a lot of things into his body that he wouldn't put into his body now. But I think the thing that kind of stands out to me is the passion and the drive that he had has always existed. You know, even when he was doubted, he was always going to be the hardest worker. He was always going to be a guy uh, that you could count on. And he was always a great leader. You know, even when he was third string at Michigan, he was still a great leader and he had that uh, magnetic personality that, that people were drawn to. You know, and that's why you knew if he ever got a chance to lead a team that he'd be an unbelievable leader and that a head coach would love having that guy as the centerpiece of your franchise because he's going to do everything the right way. He's going to set the tone for everyone else on that team, both work ethic-wise as well as leadership-wise, preparation-wise, all those kinds of things. And that's why he and Bill have been such a perfect match for all these years because everything that Bill preaches – Tom exudes, and it's the perfect example, the embodiment of what what Bill wants his team to be like. Mm-hmm. I want to ask you one more question about Brady. You know, looking at the numbers, you know, the last month of the season, they're not you know the typical Brady numbers. It, I don't know how much of Patriots games you've been able to watch the last month, but is there anything that you've seen that might stand out as to why you know his numbers aren't the same, specifically the interceptions? Well, you know, I mean, he's also probably going to be MVP of the league, so. Uh, you know, you kind of take that with a grain of salt. You look at the Miami game and the two picks uh, that Howard had in that game were unbelievable plays. You know, he, he jumped a route on one and beat the receiver to the ball, and that's a credit to him and his film study. And then the second one was a perfectly thrown ball, and it's one of the best plays I've seen all year where he just goes up, elevates from behind, recovers, and makes this unbelievable interception. Those plays are going to happen. And when guys make plays like that, there's nothing you could do as a quarterback. I think part of it is is that they've been more aggressive on their deep balls. You know, it was something that Josh McDaniels talked about at the beginning of the year. You know, when they were doing they were playing Tampa on Thursday night, and that they didn't want their deep ball shots to be too long. So 
bring them back a little bit, make them more catchable, which also, you know, brings in the opportunity for error and the opportunity for interceptions. And I think you'll see, you know, Tom Brady go back to being very protective and very selective with the passes that he makes in the playoffs, not turning the ball over, especially when you're playing a team that you feel like you're better than and they have to do something special to beat you. Don't allow them to make a play, to get an interception, to give them a short field, to give them the opportunity win. That's been the Patriots' mantra for so long. You know, they believe in that long inversion, which, number one, starts with avoid losing to prepare for winning. You know, and that means protecting the ball with your life and playing mistake-free football. And, you know, that's what they do. And then be especially good in a kicking game. That's been what's led them to success, what's led them to all these championships. And I expect exactly the same in the playoffs. Mm. Got one question for you personally. How much have you enjoyed, you know, working for CBS and, you know, covering these big games? Well, it's been a lot of fun. You know, the whole progression for me and going from a kicker to being up in the booth, uh, doing games as an analyst, really learning the game, getting getting inside the game and studying and getting an opportunity to start doing college games. And then this year, getting an opportunity to do NFL games up in the booth. And it's obviously a, diff- a little different in the playoffs when I'm down the sidelines as an analyst because, you know, it's a different role. You're you're there to support your guys. You're there to support Jim and Tony and what they're talking about up in the booth and provide a couple of stories and, and help them in any way you can. But it's fun. And I think the thing you miss the most when you're done playing is, is the relationships, being around the guys, being in the locker room. And you get a little bit of that when you're doing this. You get to go into the practice. You get to go in and do some of the production meetings, see some of the guys and the coaches that you know. You know, last weekend I got to sit on the sidelines and talk to Tom Coughlin for 10 minutes. I haven't seen him in a long time. And those type of things help fill that void that you miss when you're done playing. Mm-hmm. How much is it, how fun has it been to just be with Tony Romo in the last couple of weeks and just how that he sort of analyzes the game and almost seems to anticipate the play ahead of it even happening? Well, it was interesting because, you know, I, I did it at the beginning of the year. So we did the Thursday night package and we did all that. And then I did, I wasn't with them for the second half of the year. And then now jumping on the playoffs and you can see how, how he's grown and how he's got better as an analyst. And, and, and I know that because, you know, I, this is my third year doing it, and I know the mistakes that I made and trying to figure out the timing and when to say something and how much to say. And all the info that you want to get in, and you have to wait for the right time. And, and, and that's really an art. And you have to try and figure that out as you go. And, and he's doing it on the fly in front of everybody as the A-team and, and getting the top criticism from everybody around the country. And I think he's handled it really well. And I think the best thing he does is he just has a great sense of humor about it. You know, he laughs about himself, makes a mistake, no problem, keep going forward. And and he has a joy and a love for the game that uh, comes out in his broadcast. And I think that's what people respond to. That's what they like. Mm-hmm. Hey, thanks so much for joining me, Jay. Ho- hopefully the weather is uh, holds out for you. I know you'll be on the sidelines, <laughs> so you're, you're hoping for, for not that 40 degree and rainy as in, in the forecast. But ho- I'd, rather, I'd rather drop 10 degrees and be snowy. That would be a lot more fun for me. I'm, I'm with you as well, but I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll be up in the, pre- the warm confines of the press box. I'll leave that to you on the sidelines. All right, well, there's plenty of room on the sideline. Don't be shy. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for joining me, Jay. Really appreciate it. Take care.